Hi, I'm your host, Kimberly Thomas-Tigg, and you're listening to Signalize, a Dazzle for Rare podcast. Whether you're a patient, advocate, caregiver, or a clinician, Signalize is your source for good news, personal stories, events, and the things that Rare and Associated Communities care about. Follow Signalize and Dazzle for Rare at D-A-Z-Z-L-E, the number four, R-A-R-E, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, where we'll post episode links, updates, and more. Welcome to Signalize, a Dazzle for a podcast. I'm excited to be joined by uh, advocate, dad, and all-around good guy, David Ross. Uh, David joins us from the Cowden Syndrome community. Uh, He also runs a men's rare disease mental health video chat support group each month. So David, thanks so much for joining us today. If you could kick things off with telling us a little bit about yourself. Hi everyone, my name is David Ross. I'm from the UK. I have a rare condition called Cowden Syndrome. It's something that affects one in every 200,000 people, carries an increased risk of getting certain cancers, autism and developmental delays, uh, also some of the other things that are associated with my rare disease. I've heard of Cowden syndrome and also P10 uh, syndrome. Now, I always see those two together. Are they considered the same condition or is there something that separates them? Uh, yeah, so um, it comes, uh, P10 hamartoma tumor syndrome is something, Calden syndrome comes under the umbrella of, there's an unpronounceable name which children are diagnosed with that is kind of similar to Calden syndrome. I think it's just more like they're diagnosed with as children. And I think kind of... Um, there, there was another one. I think Proteus syndrome is another one which comes under that umbrella as well. So whilst you're given the um, diagnosis of Cowden syndrome, it does fit under this umbrella, P10 homotopia tumor syndrome. The reason why it's called P10 is because of the P10 gene, which is linked to the cell overgrowths, which uh, cause the, for example, the increased risk of getting certain cancers. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. And it's interesting because... For Dazzle Ferrer, you've been engaged in it for a while, and P10 Foundation in the U.S. was for a while, too. But I saw the, the names associated, but I never really understood exactly what it was that differentiated them. So that's, I learned something new. I, I, I appreciate that. I think that's great. Yeah, I think um, I think it's a bit like a complex regional pain syndrome. I think it was called RSD before, and I, know, I think the names changed for whatever reason. Or oh, they're still valid. Both, uh, both names are still valid. It is P10 hamartoma tumor syndrome, but your diagnosis I was given was Kelden syndrome. I think it's just uh, the, the way it fits in into the uh, clinical uh, diagnosis. I, yeah, I, I don't know exactly kind of why they do that, but yeah, it kind of I suppose it kind of makes sense for a number of reasons. <laughs> no, that it, it that does make sense, and I think I talked a little bit with Kristen Anthony, like who you I think you know Kristen from the P10 Foundation in the U.S., and we talked a few years ago about genetic testing for P10, and so is so I, I had a feeling that there was an identified gene or a gene variant for P10, but it's interesting. I'm kind of curious like what else there is out there. But for now, you know, we've talked more recently and especially this year during Dazzle for Rare about men's mental health. And when you and the other David, (laughs) it's funny to have two Davids on in one call, but when you gentlemen talked before, it was really great to hear you both speak about 
men's mental health, being open about mental health issues can be more difficult or men feel discouraged. So I'd really like to hear more about the group that you're leading and sort of how that came about because, you know, advocacy is one thing, but then that's like a whole new level to take things to really is to take on a group, be a leader and to encourage men to do something that's historically kind of difficult. So I really would love to hear how that happened. So when I was diagnosed in 2017, it was just over a year after my mother passed passed away with the um, same condition uh, she'd given me before about a year before she passed a letter should I want to get tested so after she passed I thought well I, I think it's right for a number of reasons for me to get tested but yeah back to that kind of uh, moment where I was diagnosed I kind of left with a lot of feelings and emotions around what this what this may or may not mean for me whilst I got in contact with the the, the organizations from my condition one of the other things I noticed from then on was like well there seems to be a lot of females in the rare disease community for my condition and and at that point I didn't know a lot of people outside of people from other rare diseases but yeah it's, I seem to get that feeling of oh there seems to be a lot of women but not many males talking about what they were going through uh, and as time went on that that became clear that men were suffering men weren't talking about what they were going through and in some cases not seeking support feeling isolated alone uh, and in one case uh, a, a male with um, my condition was feeling suicidal um, like me he'd lost his mother and his sister to the same rare, rare condition and bad enough losing your mother kind of in, in the 50s for my, myself and so we, we had that kind of connection but losing your sister as well I can imagine how that must have impacted him. At the start of the first lockdown I kind of uh, suggested to someone about wouldn't it be great to have more support for the mental health side of living with a rare disease um, uh, particularly for men and, and straight away she got what I was saying and, and kind of like well actually I know two men that would feel the same and I should connect with them so it was June 2020 had our first meeting and basically it was um, a meeting on Zoom agreed it was to be every Sunday there was no there's no ideal day to have a meeting in the week it was open to all rare disease male patients caregivers and it's four o'clock GMT because you need to you know, include people from one side of the world to the other side of the world, and that seemed to be well the best time possible. And yeah, it was the idea was to give men that space uh, to talk about what they were going through, seek support where, where needed, listen to others, talk about the topics that were impacting them. So we. Ever since then, it's been once every month. Had men from six continents. Had some speakers come on to kind of inspire guys. There are a few men out there. As, as my journey's gone on in, in this, uh, they're doing great within their own communities. Dan Lurie, uh, Frank Rivera, or got uh, rare disease dad Adam. Uh, you know, and, and there's a few others. Uh, so there are some amazing guys out there, kind of doing their bits. And and I think kind of what with the lockdowns, there has been these these discussions that now starting to happen about the niche areas of living with a rare disease what taylor kane does and, and i think these areas are kind of need to be discussed support need needs to be there and um yeah so the group has kind of like kept going it's hard at times it's still an issue for men to talk about uh what they're going through or seek support but the fact that it's still here now is amazing i get it not, not all men want to talk on zoom i don't at this stage have the answers for everything but i think it's there and whoever comes is that's great and i think the fact is there is showing that it, it, it needs to be there and even if men aren't coming i, I think 
I get the vibe that men do acknowledge now. Actually, okay, Sundays are difficult for me, or perhaps I'm not. I don't need it, or I'm not ready for it. But, but there is a, a, an acknowledgement of it being needed, and I, I get it. I don't expect men to come all the time. I mean, you know, life gets busy, and I understand that. But sometimes I think it's hard, and sometimes you think it could be better. But actually, it, it is going better, and it's. Actually, we had our Rare Disease Day meeting. We had kind of 23 men on, on, on that call, and that was kind of almost overwhelming to get everyone's a chance to speak. And the introductions were a bit too long and kind of like that was such too much as a success. So, yeah, it's there, and um, I'm really pleased it's still going. We have Rare Disease Dad Adam Johnson speaking in November, and it's still a problem for men talking about what they're going through. The fact it's there is, is a great success, really, and um, I could see it keep going, really. I'm glad that, that it is continuing because watching it sort of evolve, you know, I'm, I get really excited about it. I feel like people are afraid to put themselves out there, and then if nobody goes first, then nobody joins in and we don't have those conversations. So it is important to kind of sometimes take the deep breath and take the dive and say, you know, I'm struggling. And if you're struggling, I don't want you to be alone. So that's fantastic. And I'm glad that it's not really just focused towards uh, P10 or Cowden, that you're really opening the doors for a lot of gentlemen to come in and just, even if they don't want to talk, to know that they have that space. So that is super important. I'm, I'm really grateful that you do that. I mean, it doesn't impact me directly, but like, I'm glad that it is impacting on people that we know and, and other gentlemen. The date for November is the 27th. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yes. So Adam, uh, rare, he, he's on Twitter as Rare Disease Dad. Is that right? I found Adam, um, I've had conversations with Adam at Zoom. I consider him a friend. And actually, he's, he's helped me as a, as a dad, as a father. I'm not quite sure what to do with my, my daughter. She's a teenager. She's, you know, she, she's doing great at the moment. But about a year or so ago, yeah, it was, wasn't easy for her. And um, it's good to have had that man that I can, I can talk to because I don't have my mother anymore. And actually, he can talk. He, he relates to some of the issues I'm going through. And, and that's another thing we found about the group. Whilst our rare diseases are different, we have... A lot of things that lap over. We have more things in common that unite us, and 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 that and that I kind of would say that still goes to caregivers. A few of the dads that have joined, emotions are out around it. There's that patient caregivers thing. There are emotions around it that are the same. And actually, to hear the caregivers has been really important. Chris Valona, uh, you know, he always has such fantastic shares for us all. It's amazing to hear. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's another thing as well. Different countries and cultures and. And we seem to come together and it, yeah, it, it goes really well, even if it's sometimes there's not many on the group, but sometimes it's quite a good number. Yeah, whatever the meeting, it's still good. And actually when it's less, it is good in a way because others can talk more and have a bit more space. That's really interesting to, to hear and also to know that your reach has kind of gone far and wide and that there are gentlemen joining from Pakistan. Like, that's amazing to me. That's awesome. I, that's all I can say. That's really awesome. So you've got the component of rare disease. And there's the component of just how society looks at mental health and masculinity. And then you have, you know, gentlemen from different backgrounds, different religions, different economic situations. It's good to know that men have that safe space and that they know that they have somewhere to go. And also knowing that caregivers have some place to go, because I think we oftentimes forget about caregivers completely. And without folks in our lives, I'm lucky to have my spouse, you know, he gives me my medications at night. (laughs) 
because I'm really bad at knowing. To, I take so many. I'm really bad at doing it. I'm terrible at remembering things. Um, so he makes sure I, I get my medications and he gets me things when I'm really having a bad day. Um, like there was, I fell down the stairs the other night, like dear God. So I'm so grateful for him. And I think if we don't really think about the people around us, the friends or the partners, or even uh, going back to children, like your daughter, you know, the support that they give us, but they also need support. Now, do you find with your daughter, is, does, does she have support as well, sort of for how the condition might impact her or might not impact her or how it might impact you? It's something that um, she's kind of had a bit of counselling through the NHS, kind of, or, or young people's support. But yeah, it's kind of, it's been okay. But yeah, in terms of um, the condition, it's, it's been down to me really um, talking about it with her and uh, talking about the emotional side. Yeah, I think, uh, again, what you've just said, you know, the, the people, our loved ones or people closest around us, you, you know, they really make the difference. And it's important to kind of acknowledge actually that they're made and they need support or their feelings around this are, are, are important as well I know my daughter worries when I go and have a checkup I recently had surgery and she's seen what's happened to her uh, her grand and, uh, and my mother and, and my nephew had another rare disease so I know we've t- been taken we've been taken um about an emotional battering really with the losses but actually you have to be better in a way or I have to be better I should say because you have less um so yeah, whilst there is no support, but actually the support from people like Adam and kind of being at the group, I, I could just sit back and listen to others and think, I can relate to that, or that's interesting to hear, or or I'm simply, I'm so glad I'm listening to this because I don't feel alone. Yeah, it's, a good, it's good also because weekends can be really difficult. So, uh, certainly when you're not well or you're you're struggling, you know, physically or mentally, however you may be struggling. And of course, you know, with illness, you can't help but struggle mentally at times. Like people think that these things are completely isolated and that you, you know, could be suffering so much physically or suffering with like brain fog or symptoms, but that that has nothing to do with your emotions. That's bonkers talk because honestly, I don't know anyone who would not have some seriously dark days at times. Like I know I have, and it's like, I consider myself pretty optimistic and upbeat and always smiling, but there are days when it's not all rainbows and it's not all sunshine. So it's really important to not only cover the mental health aspect, but also the sense of community and knowing that other people get that you're tired or they get that you just don't have it in you that day or or to know that on a Sunday, if everything has been really tough this week emotionally, that you have people you can share that with, that win, lose, or draw, there's going to be somebody there. So oh, I love that so much. I And I wish we had more of that. So certainly to people listening, like I hope people will choose will choose to do similar things. Maybe women will have start some groups or maybe we'll have teens. It's okay to talk about our emotions. It's okay to feel scared because everybody does at some point, but that's okay. We can talk about that and know that we're together. And that's what's, what's really important. We have each other, but to have more resources would be amazing. Thanks for sharing what you've just done. I, I can totally relate to that. I, I think firstly, it is being talked about the knowledge by Jeff Needham Lord. Uh, about more for children and and they had a a rare fair at the beginning of the year um, where they had like things going on for children I think Nicola from Rare Revolution magazines I think they were involved in it somehow Rachel was rare disease dad Adam talked about the need for support for his children and maybe (laughs) Rachel and his his daughter who's a, a bit a bit younger than Rachel having some sort of group so whilst there's been nothing concrete uh, as of yet um 
will with that. I think it's it's at least it's being um, acknowledged by discussion, and who knows within the next year or two, maybe maybe something there will be something there because I think I think it's needed. I think um, and again, like the, like the men's group, it's not something that you expect people to attend all the time or. But yeah, I think I think throughout your your life you do need it because I th- I think as I've, I've been saying the past six months or so the added layers of, of a rare disease and the uncertainty of it all you know like with life it really but more with, with, with a rare disease you know you you will need support along the way and I really uh, yeah and that you, you know there's nothing wrong in, in saying that or admitting that and actually that support will get you through those difficult times and more likely than not will happen or or challenging times I should say. Um, I think yeah, challenging times instead of difficult. More likely that and happen, and that's that's so important for loved ones, partners, children. As yeah. Sort of, what were your feelings, or what are your feelings on the state of rare disease organizations overlap? Are we too saturated? Are we all kind of doing a lot of the same? Yeah, I kind of think this is kind of um, yeah, this is kind of something that holds us back. I think there's a lot of people out there with great intentions. There's a lot of people doing great things. There's too many things that are similar, if not the same. This is taking resources away from um, other people. It's confusing the patients. Uh, For example, uh, registries, one organization has one registry, a patient registry, one, another one has a clinical reg- registry. What's the point? With the best will in the world, um, it, it, I get it. I, I, I get the importance of registries, but what is the point? I get it. Everyone's got the right to opinion, but we have we have to agree to you know compromise more. I've had that along my journey with the men's group. Not everything I've kind of uh, 100% agreed with, but 80, 90%. There's been a few things that I haven't totally agreed with all few situations not necessarily directly with what goes on in the group but around it but we have to compromise more i also think clinical trials kind of pharma how many organizations are setting up clinical trials when they're not a straightforward process that confuses things i get it different health healthcare providers but there needs to be more universal guidelines i think some organizations have cracked this like the dutch in community although someone in there demetrius i think that's his name he would say there's still issues like like with life but they have universal guidelines for uh dutch in they seem a lot more organized dravid syndrome community i think kind of they just seem more cl- working with um, uh, patients, <laughs> farmer, and kind of they seem to be more of a community. I get life isn't perfect, and yeah, there is that. No one's going to agree 100% on everything. I do think this is an issue, and also I think as well, you know, we talk about treatment. We have too much focus on treatments, cure, cures, of course. But what are we supposed to do in the meantime? This is why I've set up with the group. I've been in conversations with men who are alone, isolated, physically, mentally. I don't think they deserve to have that, um, and I'm sure for women as well. That's kind of um, women need support. Women struggle as well. Let's be fair. Um, but men being men, and, and kind of where I'm at with it, and what I'm doing, I kind of obviously spend more time with that. Although I kind of feel, yeah, I hear hear about women and, and, and struggle as well as children of women with rare diseases. But I, I think, yeah, that is what are we supposed to do in the meantime? I'm not I'm not expecting anyone to fix my life, but kind of like. Uh, there's certainly been challenges along the way that I think, for me myself, uh, I, I've kind of had to struggle with, and still like unresolved. And there are men out there through having those conversations, and obviously the area that I kind of involved with, are kind of struggling and not getting the support. And kind of, I've, ra- I've raised my hand for one or two of them, and they're kind of like, I don't know, they're kind of like people shouldn't be left alone with it. So, 
And too many, you know, I get it. Everyone's got the right to set up an organisation with good intention. But you, I think you need to have a look at, like, who else is doing it? Is there a need for it? If there was another men's group dealing with mental health, I, I wouldn't do it. Because why? What, what would be the point? I, I get it. I could do. There are men's groups for particular rare diseases, but there isn't a mental health group. Uh, Dr. Al Freeman, he, he's great over in the USA. I kind of had a few messages with him. But there isn't anything else that... That does what I do. So yeah, for, for the rare for the rare disease men. So yeah, I think we need to kind of ask ourselves. Well, whilst it's all you know, nothing wrong in what, what everyone's feeling, wanting to do, but we have to look at providing that support in the right places and, and kind of acknowledging the fact that gene therapy isn't going to uh, impact me, uh, my generation. It is important for the young younger generation. I totally support that, but there needs to be some acknowledgement of of kind of like various adults and, and partners and children that are kind of like struggling and like no one's expecting a magic wand more support is for sure needed and, and it's kind of like yeah it's hard it's it's hard to kind of you know who do you go to go to really um for these sorts of things i mean i was on a clinical trial for a, a drug last year um in 2018 i went to boston children's hospital finished in 2019 and it still hasn't been FDA approved for a number of reasons and kind of yeah, that is another thing time we, we we're waiting for time some of us uh, or the time issue we haven't got the time that is something that's been mentioned by Chris Valona for his son has bad disease he hasn't got the time his son and yeah we would speed things up and be more productive if we actually kind of like listened let's not complain against anyone but we can't keep going on just having that narrow focus treatments cures and not looking what anyone else is doing i kind of everyone's amazing i'm not saying they're not but there needs to be a bit more collaboration i agree with you i mean obviously i do because that's what dazzle ferrer is is that is the only thing we're about is collaboration and so you know hearing what you're saying I think about, well, first of all, when folks are impacted by a condition, they, they often have the idea that they should start a foundation or they should, st- should start a charity. But please, you know, I'd like people to look around, as you say, and see who's already serving your community and support them with everything you've got. Like if it's, it's, if it's so important to you, find the people who are already registered, who are already doing the work, who are already struggling, who are already needing volunteers, and give your time and your support to those folks. You are needed. Every single one of us has a part to play, whether it's supporting each other, whether it's volunteering for organizations, we all have a part to play in this community. And not every one of us has to start a nonprofit. And I appreciate everybody who does, but always try to give it some thought. Do I need to start a nonprofit or can I support the one that's already supporting my community? Now, I know in some cases people have fallings out and then the group splinter. That unfortunately happens. And then you end up competing against each other. So I always hope for people to be able to come back together because we have one common goal at the end of the day, and it is that group of patients, or it is that particular niche that really needs to be covered. So I think that's a really important conversation to have and for people to listen to, because what I was talking to uh, David Rose about previously was we need volunteers. We need them desperately. It's not just the nonprofits, but there's so many organizations and even in our local communities, like people to lead community groups or people to, you know, fundraise locally or people to like, one thing that I do is uh, go to my son's school and read on rare disease day, read books about rare disease or talk to the kids about rare disease. 
<laughs> it's fun. It's great. I, I have I didn't get a chance to do it last year, but I have a zebra that I take with me <laughs> or like a teddy and I let the kids touch it or like hug it. And I think that's really therapeutic. And also parents have said, we have a rare disease in the family. We don't talk about it, but we're really grateful that that representation and that being seen is there and that kids are knowing that it's not just them. You know, whether we have a part to play in our community, whether we are doing it online, like we need to be together. We need to be a larger community. I was just talking to the gals at Rarequal the other night about this exact situation that there are so many of us and we're all doing really good work, but we need to be together. We need to be united for the cause of patients, not just for our own agendas. And sometimes it comes down to, well, my organization is super important, so I'm going to not help anyone and not deal with anyone. Sometimes that happens. It sounds crazy. Like people think there can't be drama in rare disease, but there is. Also, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, when you come into the rare disease sphere and you find your group, there's not usually any talk of mental health and there isn't signposting for resources. And so, you know, some people may say, well, you can just Google it. You know, but sometimes when someone gives you a resource or connects you with someone, like someone locally or like another person, that makes a huge difference. Like, yeah, I guess we could call Samaritans. <laughs> you know, they're great. I've called Samaritans a few times in my life. I'm not going to lie. And it, they've been wonderful. But if we had those signposted resources in our organizations and our communities, we could be helping to continue to address the issues that actually affect us. Sorry to hear you, you, you've had to call Samaritans a few times, um, but you shouldn't have to wait until you're that far down the line, or anyone shouldn't have to wait until they're that far down the line. I kind of have had a similar thing, but that would be perhaps a negative and positive experience around that. And, and yeah, but basically my end result was I, I shouldn't have had to have waited further down the line but the healthcare and lack of support and, and not only that I think not everyone has a support network uh, uh, around them and this is another thing it's kind of like all the advocates out there are wonderful but not everyone is able to do that and I see the posts of them and their families and, and I'm so it's I feel so lucky to see that but not everyone has that there are people that don't have anyone around them are lonely and isolated Someone said to me about my group, um, I won't join now for various reasons, but thank you for setting up this group for the forgotten people. And it's kind of like sometimes I think that, that yeah, there's people that aren't heard for, and, and for a number of reasons. And you have to kind of remember that they're not like the patient advocates such as myself who see you telling, doing this, that, the other, but they're, 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 they're just the same as me. Uh, and yeah, I, I, they are forgotten. There's no awareness, no support. They left. A, I think that's another thing about a rare disease adult. You're expected to know how to take your medication or get to the doctors. You're, once you're an adult, you're just left alone to get on with it. I'm not. I'm not comparing to children to adults, but I do. I do think that is something that is just overlooked. Yeah, you're. You're an adult. You'll get by. You know how to claim income support in the UK, or you. You. Um, uh, you know. You, you're able to, unless you have a severe impairment. There's kind of that judgment around that, and and kind of like. Uh, that is, I think that's a big thing. Okay, you're left alone to get on with it. On a, um, I remember someone saying adults are expected to not live long with rare diseases. There, there is that. Someone said that in a webinar in uh, last year in the uh, in the USA, kind of like why why are adults just left alone to get on with it, and and kind of I I don't know really. I kind of 
I'd hate to think if that was kind of true, but yeah, kind of, I think we have to speak up for ourselves as adults, that's what I have to say, and, and talk about these issues and, and try and look for solutions where we can, because, yeah, that's that's an unfair one, and, and yeah, but it's important to remember, you know, not everyone is speaking about what they're going through for a number of reasons, but they shouldn't be forgotten about, I, I think, kind of, there's too much emphasis perhaps on, on the advocates and the organisations that are wonderful, but what about the people that aren't speaking? Yeah, I mean, one, one advocate mentioned in a webinar recently that there is no one patient voice. So no no one of us in our communities is that patient voice. There's so many voices that make that up and some people aren't being heard at all. And so like sometimes it, it feels like tempting to, to try to speak for everybody, but we can't because like for me, I'm a woman, I'm Caucasian, I'm middle-aged, I can't speak for everybody who has Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome or who has POTS or any of the other things. So I can't speak for them. I can only speak from my own experience. And so, yes, I... I think one thing that would be great for groups to do is if they have a, you know, mostly like a, for instance, if they're in the UK, if they could provide signposting for how to apply for DLA or for disability living allowance or for personal independence payments or any of those resources, because you can, you can try calling, what is it, Citizens Advice, but I tried calling them recently and I was on the phone holding for an hour and I just couldn't hold any longer. And I thought like, what's going on? And it can be really confusing to find information online. And sometimes that information's not up to date because as we know in the UK, at least, things change all the time. <laughs> so a lot of these procedures change. So it would be great for groups to also take into account that some people need help applying for disability benefits. Some people would benefit from having like you know, signposting to where they might be able to find a used wheelchair or used mobility d devices to help them get around better because sometimes those can be really expensive. And if you're on a limited income, if you've got families, you don't always have money to go out and buy like a, you know, thousand pound motorized wheelchair or a 2000 pound wheelchair. So, you know, anything that we can do also in our own kind of smaller online communities to signpost people, I think would be great. Yeah, definitely. It's like so someone was having a, who has the same rare disease as me, uh, trouble getting support for his PTSD and it wasn't happening and um, someone should be helping him who, who, who's able to do that. Yeah, these, these sorts of things are kind of getting overlooked or, or, or the sports in there. They really are. And I think that's a really good good point to, to discuss. And I think it would be great to come back to that on another occasion and really explore that a little bit more in terms of how some folks are being left behind and how hopefully there are ways we can all brainstorm as a wider community for looking after folks. They may not even be in our, our condition community, but if they're struggling you know, how can we try to help? Or at least like where where can we put resources so that they're easy for folks to find? I think that's that's a conversation. Maybe that's like a panel conversation for a future time. Like maybe a few of us can have that discussion and really see if we can come up with some good ideas that people might be able to use. But before we finish off today, uh, if there's anybody that you want to thank, anybody you want to shout out or anything you want to share, something wonderful that's happened, good news, anything. It's your floor to, to talk about anything you want to say right now. I've recently made a, a film about rare disease male mental health patients, caregivers. It's only a 13-minute film, but it's made by myself, but with eight amazing guys from around the world who, um, they're my inspiration really. Not long, um, but it, it's kind of like it gives you an idea what the group's like, but it also gives an idea of the importance of whether men have those conversations with partners, friends, or, or professionals when needed, the importance of men talking about their mental 
mental health. Um, I'd like to thank you, um, David Rose, Global Jeans, and, and uh, my friend Chelsea. Um, yeah, uh, they keep me, you know, they've been wonderful to me in different ways. Carol as well. Um, so, yeah, there's some people there. Yeah, but yeah, it's um, it's changing. It is slowly changing, but not fast enough, I think, kind of. I know Global Genes are picking up on mental health and there is, I think there's funds available next year for uh, mental health support in the rare disease community. Although I'm not quite sure on the details yet, but... Um, yeah, you know, it, it is, it is slow, yeah, in some areas it is slowly starting to change, and I'm hopeful. I think that's a good way to, to end things for that, is, is a message of hopefulness, because that's the one thing that we have at the end of the day. Like, we don't necessarily have cures or treatments, but we have hope. And I always like to say having only positive expectations, that's kind of bull, <laughs> to be fair, because sometimes we don't, we can't be positive. There's days where you're just like, you know what? Today is not that day. Just having expectations of it getting better. That's all I can hope for, you know. So I think that's a good way to kind of cap things off. So what we will do is we'll leave uh, details to get in contact with you in the show notes, if that's okay, so that folks can also find out more about the group or contact you about getting an invitation. You know, if I can take a moment to thank you, because I really appreciate what you're doing. And I, I've liked, I've really enjoyed seeing you come along over the last few years and like to see like when I first started talking to you to like today. I, it give, I'm getting the red nose of like emotions because <laughs> I'm really I'm really pleased for you and I'm really glad that you're here and I'm glad to talk to you today so thank you for your time thanks for your time um, and and yeah we take for granted for people that are, are constantly around you know Kimberly's you know actually what you do is yeah actually I take it you know I, you know I couldn't thank you enough for what you do as well thank you <laughs> I appreciate that yeah what you did you know the, the chat with Dave, David Rose was was really good and and yeah I kind of like yeah it's hard to keep up with the online stuff at times but yeah thank you for what you do it is appreciated I really appreciate having you here today and I hope I hope folks enjoy this episode thank you so much thank you Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Signalize, a Dazzle Ferrer podcast. To stay up to date on the podcast and Dazzle Ferrer, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at D-A-Z-Z-L-E, the number four, Rare, R-A-R-E. And finally, if you liked this episode, share it with a friend and tag us on social media platforms.